The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, you're listening to the Late Morning Program with Namras, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. I'm here with His Holiness Swami Padmanabh Maharaj. Thank you so much for joining me again after uh, a few episodes. Thank you so much for inviting me again. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite um, guests here on the Late Morning Program. I always love to hear Maharaj's outlook on things. So today we're going to be talking about social media and the fifth regulative principle Bhakti and social media, the fifth regulated principle. So um, social media is so universal these days and uh, encompassing. And so I feel as devotees, we don't talk about it enough, about our interaction with social media, how devotees should use social media, if they should use it at all. Uh, I guess we can get into that conversation uh, also, it feels kind of strange to do that because we're on social media right now. But Maharaj, maybe we can <laughs> talk about that also. Um, but let's start off there with the title, Maharaj. Why the fifth regulative principle? Hmm. Well, some, somehow the topic came <clears throat> a few years ago. I was given a series on on the Vaishnava etiquette. And at one point, the idea came, okay, we are speaking about how we as Vaishnavas should deal with so many things in our life, but we don't have a chapter on how to deal with social media as an aspect of our Vaishnav sadhachar uh, or, or behavior, uh, how to how to relate with the dig- digital age. Uh, this is not present in the Hari Bhakti Vilas or any of our Shastras, <laughs> although they give the gist of how to behave with everything. So my question came to mind, like how to deal with, with social media in the context of practicing Bhakti. And of course, uh, we need to update those type of consideration to our present time, and start to think to that about that to a point that I think, yeah, this is kind of a fifth regulative principle. And <clears throat> I, I elaborated more that idea. I remember also we I gave one lecture called Four uh, Rex 2.0, updating right. our approach to the four regulative principle. I remember you were there in the. And you were telling me, <clears throat> Maharaj, you should give a, make a whole series of lectures about that. <laughs> uh, when I was speaking specifically about how to deal with social media. So today we are giving at least uh, a sample of that. But to begin with, in connection to the four regulated principles, I will say, and I like to always make this point that what we conceive as four regs are not don'ts, no, are not four things not to do, but all of them imply positive content. It's not so much do not eat meat, do not take intoxicants, but be compassionate, be, and so on, truthful, be clean, be pure. So it's it's important that we conceive our bhakti practice in positive terms, terms, not in terms of not doing stuff. So the four regulative principles are not limited to not do those things, but to fully embrace the positive implication of, of those principles, no? So it's not only about not meat eating, but being compassionate. And you can, that can begin by becoming vegetarian, but <laughs> to become compassionate in every sense of the term, that requires much more. So it's important to, to have these things in 
in, in our mind, no? not just think, okay, this is the magical formula, what I have to do, I'm, I'm perfect, correct, I'm doing the right thing, and that's all. I remember once, if I may, one devotee disciple of Srila Bhakti Pramod Puri Maharaj, he was Western, and he somehow was engaged in some Vaishnava Parat. And Srila Puri Maharaj heard about that and called him and told him, for a long time, you have been eating meat, and that was not good. But now you stop doing that. So that's good. But now you started to eat meat of the Vaishnavas by offending them. So that's even worse than eating meat. Better you return eating meat, but stop offending the Vaishnavas. <laughs> so I'm saying these things because sometimes we may think, I'm perfectly vegetarian, and and but if but I may be offending Vaishnavas, and maybe we don't think that that's a principle that is broken and so on. Mm. So my point with the four regs is, in one sense, uh, it's not something that is only the thing that we think, but there are so many more implications about that. Like, like for example, in the four regs, it's not including uh, watching certain types of movies or news or hearing certain type of music, but we know that some of those things will be unfavorable for Bhakti as well. Okay. So all that considered, my point is, in relation to social media, I felt, oh, this is kind of a fifth regulative principle. How to deal with that? Because it's, as you mentioned, it's such an all-pervading aspect of modern society and life. That I would say every member of the parampara in the modern world should catch this like side-gazed or climate of the times and update one's approach to reality and one's understanding of this concept, regulative principles, which somehow are malleable on some level. So, and of course, we are using technology to speak about this. So it's not that we are contradicting, we are not against technology or social media. At least I'm not against, I hope you don't either, Narasa. If not, you will incur in a huge contradiction. <laughs> I have a weird relationship with social media. I, and yeah. I know a bunch of other devotees that use social media who are also trying to be devotees like myself. Uh, mm -hmm. We also have a very weird relationship with it because at one point we have to use it to further our projects or whatever we're trying to do. But at the same time, we're sadhikas and it's not, I don't feel it's good for devotees, to be honest. Anyway, we can get into that, but that's my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, of course, this is important point, but of course, technology in itself is not something bad. We are not here right. to demonize social media. Right. But something interesting in the dynamics of social media and technology in itself is that constantly updating itself. So for us to know how to deal with something that is constantly updating, we ourselves have to be constantly updating how we approach a constantly updated reality, if you will. What do you mean <laughs> by what do you mean by it's being constantly updated? Like in the sense of the way the technology is? Yeah, in every sense, of course. If you have a cell phone, you know that you need to update every app every certain time. If not, it's not operative. But also the way, the form, the shape it takes. Some years ago, it was only television and then came whatever, internet, then came cell phone and everything becomes more and more subtle, if you will. And it's a form of update. So how do I update my understanding of that and my relationship with that so that keeps in proper focus? That's my point. So I will say that in relation to something that is constantly updating itself, we need an ongoing dialogue, even beyond this particular topic. And I think this is a very important point for our community to be to to have this sense this sense of I need to establish ongoing dialogues about those realities that are ongoing, basically. <laughs> and this is not only Krishna consciousness. Of course, Krishna consciousness is ongoing, is eternal, is dynamic, 
So we should keep in that mode, but also relative realities like social media that are part of the life of the sadhaka keeps updating. So everything in the outside world keeps updating to remain functional. So our inner world, if you will, has to update also so we can deal with those external updates in the world. So, so in connection to, to social media, I will say that a good part of that update has to deal with our life, our identity, how we relate, as you mentioned, with social media, and how, as I mentioned, fifth regulative principles, sometimes we may be breaking the four regulative principles in social media. <laughs> That's an interesting idea. I remember one good brother of mine, Guru Nishta Prabhu, you know him, he does very interesting comics. And <laughs> part of the inspiration came by one comic he did when the, the Guru is giving to the disciple initiation, and given the Japa Malan and mentioning the four wrecks. And then he says, and no Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the disciple is freaking out. You no, know, it's like, I, I repent right now. I undo my initiation right now. Do I have time? <laughs> but because that may be more difficult than all the other things. And the point is, if we don't know how to relate with social media, maybe we are, we are not intoxicating ourselves but through social media we may be indulging in some form of intoxication through gramya kata prajalpa i may not be following ahimsa by treating others bad through different threats <laughs> i may not be following satyam or truthfulness by presenting a false image of myself in my profiles <laughs> and so on so it's paradoxical because the devotees on one side they may be emph emphasizing the four wrecks very extremely, but they may be addicted to video games or social media. And how much that is not gambling or that's not a type of substance abuse. <laughs> there are many examples like this. Wow. But, but my point is that in some cases we have like demonized the breaking of regulative principles, but we have normalized our unfiltered engagement with social media to the point that we end up breaking the other four principles through social media. You follow my point? Yeah. <laughs> now, in other words, we, we have normalized something that we simultaneously demonized. <laughs> but the idea, of course, with our talk here is not to demonize these, these things, but also not to normalize them. <laughs> the idea is to see how we can relate with them, how we can spiritualize our relationship with social media through proper approach, through proper uh, conception. Right. Wow, that's that's a, that last point you made is really eye-opening because yeah. I mean, I got a message from a devotee not even knowing that you we were doing this podcast uh and uh Jay Chaitanya Prabhu from LA he messaged me he said I want to talk to you about something and I said yeah yeah and he called me and he said you know I I was a brahmachari for many years and I wasn't on social media at all now I'm back on social media and I have to further my projects and he's trying to do like hip hop and things like that. But, uh, and, and he just feels like it's breaking the regulative principles, exactly what you mentioned, Maharaj, uh, the way it's, it can be intoxicating the way we may be presenting ourselves. Uh, and he was saying, he was saying how another devotee told him that he was also brahmachari for many years. He came back on social media and he was seeing, uh, you know, things they didn't want to see on his feed and he was just like so bewildered by it and so it's it's uh it's something that devotees don't talk about exactly like you said you know 
we, we really push the four regulated principles, but then when there's something that you might not even, you might not see from the outside, okay, it's breaking it. But if you look at it from a different perspective, it is, it is definitely, uh, breaking them and, uh, putting your spiritual life really in a risky situation, I would say. Yeah, I'm breaking them in a tricky way because no, nobody knows that you are breaking them. This is something totally secret, yeah. quote unquote, in your, between your pocket and you, basically. <laughs> so it's, you can start to enter into this hypo hypocrisy and duplicity and engage in those things and nobody knows, so no problem. <laughs> so is it necessary? Yeah, yes, sir. But making a scandal if someone else better breaks publicly the other four or something like this, no? Yes. So it's about aligning ourselves with 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 having integrity in how we understand things, no? And this right. is again go beyond social media. It has to do with I don't know. The both to say I'll chant my sixteen rounds. I say great, but it's not about the number. It's not about counting, but chanting. At the end of your life, nobody will ask you how many rounds have you chanted. But which is the quality of your chanting? So my point is, sometimes we get that over attached to following the external formula, the number four regs, sixteen regs. But we may be losing the inner spirit of that of contradicting all those things in another way. So mm. it's important that we don't enter into that uh, dysfunctional mentality, basically. No? Gosh, I feel there's no hope for me when I hear this kind there's of. Hope, there's hope. There's hope. <laughs> so, so is it? necessarily bad is do we have to just unplug and give it up or you know i feel like for myself is it worth it is it worth you know to um put out things on on my content and things like i mean this podcast is nice because i can talk with spiritual people and things that's nice but itself as but as far as interacting i have to interact with it i have to post uh promotions i have to post stories on instagram and things to get people to see okay uh you know this person's coming on and, and things like that so is it necessarily bad and should we unplug from it hmm. Of course, my I, I don't like ever to think, as I told you before, in terms of black and white, I, I like yes. gray. <laughs> so, well, how many shades was there, Maharaj? 250? 256 of it. Maybe right. there's more now. We have to update our grays. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't say yes. I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say yes very easily or cheaply, and I wouldn't say no very easily nor cheaply. It's, it's a very fine line, and it requires lots of introspection, as, as we will be speaking today. Uh, we will be speaking about Jukta Vairagya and how with our philosophy we can engage everything in Krishna's service, but also what it requires for we to be able to do that in, in an actual sense and not be engaged or used ourselves in the name of Krishna's service, which again is a very fine line. So I, I think if, if we can, if you want, we can share some ideas regarding <laughs> This, the, the background or this, how social media is coming to us, no? Because that's important to bear in mind that the, the original intention behind this technology. So we are aware of how to approach it and relate to that and so on. Sure, sure. So, and gradually, of course, we will try to to evolve our proposal. But, oh yeah, the, the general reply is, you can continue with your podcast, Namrasa, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> But watch out, be careful. No, of course, yes. it requires yes. lots of introspection to balance the interaction with something so not too introspective as social media. Yeah. <laughs> but so it can create lots of introspection if properly used. That's the thing, no? Right. So you've done some research on the history of it and <clears throat> the background yeah. of it. 
Yeah, I'll try. I'll be brief because to just to just to limit ourselves to speak about the background and history of technology and social media will require 108 episodes. But a very brief recap. Just we become aware of what we have in our pocket, if you will. What's the the timeline behind that, if you will? <laughs> yeah. It didn't just appear magically one day in my pocket. It, there is some background, some parampara behind, if you. Will. <laughs> So as you may know, social media is tightly connected with, with the notion of technology and technology comes as a natural result of science, which nowadays in modern world science is kind of the main authority about almost everything for most of the people. And science, of course, in our even Vedic tradition, there was science, there was theistic science. We have the theistic um, Sankhya, which was a descending process coming from revelation and ending in Pratyaksha or in practical experience. But also we have the atheistic Sankhya, which comes begins from one sensory experience and ends in some conclusion, which is basically the scientific approach. And it is this later atheistic Sankhya who, which influenced, interestingly, the Greeks. And through the Greeks, they are the ones who basically established the foundation principles for, for modern science as, as it dominates the world today. And, and all this is what constitutes the backdrop, if you will, of our present day social media. So my point with this, a healthy warning, if you will, <laughs> that the, behind social media is technology and all this background, which is non-theistic. No? It's not a divine devotional background <laughs> with, with the intention of enlightening humanity, if you will. But the non-theistic purpose behind social media is there as a background. So although we can use social media in Krishna's service, and that's why we are here, that's the inten our intention, it's always useful to be aware of the original intent of social media, the original background, how it came to us, because that will be allow us to be more careful in, in how we deal with something which was originally conceived uh, with a different purpose than the purpose we may have in mind as devotees, to follow my point, because we may be too naive if not, and we may get sidetracked on the way. So, and this, this background, this non-theistic background is also tightly connected with classical physics, which interestingly see the world just as a closed system, like a machine, if you will, which works perfectly without the need of any external influence and every action is predetermined. So basically there's no any place for free will in that conception, in that philosophy of life. So that's the background. So do you hint where I'm trying to go? <laughs> the background mm. of all this is not given any place for you as an individual basically. So our present world of social media is mostly predominated by a mathematical language, which as you may know, you know better than me, you work with computers, has so many, this type of codes, which tend to measure, to calculate, to yeah. and ultimately to control algorithm. No? Algor to, algorithms, yeah. No? Algorithm. This is a very popular word nowadays, but we may lose sight of the implications of that. That has a lot to do with measuring calculating, controlling. So and we are being subject to that. So our individuality may get totally lost in the process. And going back to some history also, more on other modern history, an interesting example in this connection comes from one, from the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. And the person who created basically, it's called Frederick Winslow Taylor, and interestingly, he made an experiment. He went once to a, a um, how do you say, a factory. And he started to measure the timings of work of the people. And he started to create an algorithm, if you call it like that, 
like to maximize time and results. So people will work in a certain time, a certain way and maximize results. And of course that was adopted by the whole world. <laughs> and this same type of system or algorithm is entering now our minds, if you will, uh, through social media and, and, and it's shaping, if you will, our way of seeing reality more than what we can realize. Now, there's one author that speaks that about three main interesting points that shape our brain, if you want to put it like that, that are wiring our brain in, in history, which is maps, clocks, and internet. Mm. You know, with, when maps came, our, our way of perceiving space changed, you know, of measuring physical space changed. When clock came, our way of perceiving time changed. And now when internet came, our brain is wired in a particular way mm. and affecting us in, in so many ways, especially, I will say, in a communicational level. That's really very, very deep, more than what we can imagine. I, I recall Henry Thoreau. He's a famous, uh, one of the famous American transcendentalists, one of the ones who read the Gita and its times with Emerson and so on. Yes. And once there was something called the transatlantic cable long time ago. And, and there was a cable that went from the ocean from London to New York. That was the idea of wired at that time, 19th century. <laughs> so everyone was very excited. Now we will know about what's going on on the other side of the world. We are start to get connected. So someone asked him, what's your thoughts of this transatlantic cable? And he replied, <laughs> he said, what's the news if the princess catches a cold? Like implying th those will be the news. That mm. will be the information that eventually will be just shared. Oh, the princess is caught a cold now. And when TV I, came, yeah. interestingly, when TV, the TV came after that, in very, most of the people were thinking with this technology, ignorance will be totally eradicated. We, all knowledge will be available to us. Everyone will become enlightened. But just a few decades after that, mid-60s, everyone knew TV, the TV as they call it, I think in the States, boob tube. Boob means like idiot, mm. like idiot tube. Mm. So that was with TV at that time. So what to speak of internet now? <laughs> so the point is, everything is facilitated, but what's the content flowing through that? No? And, 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 and so we know when Raghunath Das Goswami first met Mahaprabhu, the first instruction that Mahaprabhu gave was Gramya Katanasuni Vigramya Bhartanakaip. Do not hear gossip, do not speak gossip. And that's basically what's going on in social media in general. At least what's the what social media tries to promote mainly nowadays. Oh yeah. Tries tries I will say in general the intention is to exert control through some form of irrelevant superficiality. You can wow. be very controlled by becoming irrelevant and superficial and consuming that. Hmm? So, something that, that comes to mind is a very nice book that I read before meeting the devotees by Aldo Huxley. He was really into in, in Hinduism as well. So he mm. wrote one book called Brave New World, which yeah. is kind of a futuristic book. This is scary, actually. <laughs> yeah, and we read that in, in high school. Okay. You know that, okay. And there's yeah. another book wrote similar, similar but different by George Orwell called 1984. You know yeah. that one. Yeah. So there's two are kind of prophetic books by their time, like showing what will be the future. And the two of them present, depict a very, not very nice future, but from different sides. 
so for me, it's very interesting how how they did that and in connection to our topic. For example, George Orwell in 1984, he said, was fearful that people in that people may ban books, that books in the future may be banned. That was the fear of Orwell. Harlow Huxley was fearful that there was no reason to read a book, to ban a book because nobody will be interested in reading one. That's even more apocalyptic. <laughs> <laughs> and in this same line, George Orwell feared that there will people will be deprived of information. Huxley will fear there will be too much, so much information that we will be reduced to passivity, passive, passive consumers without thinking. Orwell was fearing that the truth will be hidden from us. Haldo Huxley will be feared that the truth will be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Hmm? So like, 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 like this direction, no? like, or, or Orwell will say, people will be controlled by imposing pain on them. Aldo Huxley will say, people will be controlled by imposing pleasure on them. <laughs> wow. So interesting, no? Orwell will, the fear of Orwell will be, we, we will, what we hate, we will end up ruining us. But Huxley say, what we love will end up ruining us. <laughs> I'm also about love social media. And probably that's ruining us. <laughs> I have a question about something you said. You said um, when you're speaking about the algorithm, you were saying mm. how it, there's no individuality there. Mm. Why is that necessarily bad? I mean, my point with that, I don't know if I would enough clear enough, but my point was algorithms are this type of, had certain dynamics we tend to measure, which tend to control. And the more we are controlled, that's my point, the more we lose our own individuality, the more mm. we, we lose our capacity to choose, the most there is no operative free will. And we are right. not aware of that. That's a worst thing that we think I am choosing, I'm controlling what to look, what to buy, how to come by my hair. <laughs> well, actually, we are, you are totally manipulated. So, yes. so, so yes. that's the right. point of no individuality. Okay. Right. So, so of course, needless to say, going to what I say before of Orwell and, and Huxley, I tend to agree with Aldo Huxley, uh, uh, <laughs> because there is a price in in having everything very pleasurable and very easy. That's interesting nowadays. When something is free, there is this famous saying. Maybe you know it. When something is free, uh, you are not the user; you are the product. So, when something is offered for free. There is actually a price to pay. You may not realize that, but you are being the product. You are not receiving the free product. If something is free, then you are the product. <laughs> yeah. So without noticing, we we may start to becoming more and more uh, mechanistical ourselves, more machine-like by so much uh, merging some sayuja into <laughs> into what technology is offering. Also, I remember this. How do you say? This Stanley Kubrick movie in English, Space Odyssey or something. Mm, Anyhow, there's a, another futuristic movie. Sorry, I'm not quoting so much of Shastra this time. A little bit. Of time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to that, no problem. But they depict in the future that people became so similar to machines that the most human character you can found was the ones that you found in the machines, actually. And the thing more machine-like were the humans. Like Gunnar likes to say, people is so much speaking about uh, artificial intelligence now and robots replicating humans. 
But if you even get to, to that point, if we would like to think like that, at one point the robot will start to, the closer it gets to real humanity, <laughs> then the robot will start to ask, does God exist or not? Or this type of existential question that only humans can make. <laughs> so, so interestingly, we tried to make robots closer to humans, but we humans are getting closer and closer to robots if, if we don't know how to deal with technology. All right, one more quote before we, we, we conclude this historical timeline section, but sure. it comes to my Nikola Tesla. Maybe you know him as well. He was also connected with Vedanta, and he was in the famous Vivekananda speech in, in Chicago. And, and at the end of 19th century, he will say that in, six, in, in, in 21st century, this century, robots will replace the work that slaves will do in ancient civilizations but he'll say, ideally, this should allow more time and space for humanity to dedicate to higher goals in life. Wow. So robots should facilitate that. Of course, that was the vision of someone like Tesla, who was not only a scientist, but a mystic. <laughs> so if someone like him says that, the question that we should ask ourselves, how much we, who are, we are officially part of a mystical path, how much we are taking advantage of facilities of technology to further develop our, I don't know, spiritual technology. <laughs> uh, and, and maybe for that to happen, we as Vaishnavas should also consider seriously maybe the need to expose ourselves to, on some level, maybe, maybe to what we may call a social media detox or something like that. No, I think yeah. that's an important part of, of our conversation as well. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh, gosh. It seems that devotees, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the devotees and say myself, I, even though I'm part of a mystical, <laughs> I feel myself more entangled in, in, in something that should help us help me free, help free me in some way. I mean, how could, he was speaking about robots and, and kind of doing things. We don't necessarily have that yet exactly, but. How would social media be relevant in that case? Because it it's not doing things for us like practically. It's not like doing my laundry or changing my kid's diaper or something like that. It's pay close attention, Namrasa. <laughs> <laughs> it's doing pretty much many things for for you. Now you you have all these technologies that clean your house when you are not there, and you have right. these little. Dispositives that can do so many things, let you know very things. You have this camera that you can watch what's going on in the house of your parents and things. Right. Like so, <laughs> I see. I see what you mean. Okay. You have your bodyguard, digital bodyguard there, and so many things that gradually are entering more and more yeah. into the daily dynamics. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, <laughs> what? So, talking about detox. Yeah. Is it necessary to do it? Should we be doing it? I think I've heard a lot of devotees have done it and have gotten great results from it. Hmm. Why is it necessary to do that? Hmm. Yeah, okay. Of course, I'm speaking in general. Each case will be individual and there will be a specific reply for every individual case. We are giving an overall notion here. But I would say yes, of course. Um, before you before you say that, Maharaj, it, detoxing is like from something that's toxic, like to get something out of you that's toxic. That mm -hmm. in itself speaks a lot to me because 
it seems like it can more than it not, it is toxic. Well, we already spoke about you can be indulging intoxication with social media and break one of the wrecks through that. So, right. <laughs> so right. probably we need to detox. It's, again, it's not that it is toxic in itself, but how we are using that, maybe the toxicity may be there. Right. So, so as with everything, I mean, the first step in, in solving any problem is first to acknowledge the problem itself. No? So I think this has to do with this, speak about the need for detox, first understanding the, the problem. Not only acknowledging there may be a problem in how we are using social media, but especially to measure the actual size of the problem, <laughs> the actual breadth and depth of the problem. Mm -hmm. And it can be pretty much, it can be not, hopefully, but you have to ask that to yourself, each one of us. For example, with the cell phone, cell phone is becoming our everything. Basically, it's your map, your clock, your writing machine, your calculator, telephone, radio, <laughs> television, Absolutely. your partner, even your intimate friend. You have Siri there. You can speak with her every day, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you have the world in your pocket. That That's the sensation. I have my world. I, I remember once I saw a, a publicity in the street with a cell phone and all the things that are important to your life, like showed outside, but entering the phone. And, and the slogan was, the world in your pocket. And I was thinking, is the world in my pocket or is my world in their pocket? <laughs> <laughs> because of course, when publicity tells you something, they are telling you something else, you know, <laughs> probably the opposite. <laughs> so, so, so social media is pretty basic. Basically, you, you don't have the world in your pocket, but the opposite probably. So, and it's hyper stimulating us. You have heard, you must have heard this word dopamine for sure. Mm -hmm. So this dopamine is creating a very similar effect to other addictive sub substances. And again, breaking the four wrecks, intoxication. We say, do not take onion, that's rajasic, do not drink coffee. But you are having a daily overdose of dopamine with social media probably. <laughs> and, and, and this dopamine, as you may know, <clears throat> produces this pleasure that is related with hope or possibility, you know, anticipation. Is creating this type of prospect that keeps you there basically to experience that thing that is about to come but of course never comes <laughs> so you can not only become attracted to social media or more than attracted distracted but even worse you can become addicted because a substance like dopamine basically creates addiction and of course we are not only addicted to that i once heard richard Rohr, a franciscan monk he once said one of the things that all of us are addicted is to our way of thinking. And social media has a very subtle way of forming our way of thinking, of forming that software, if you will. So if we don't watch it, if we don't have clear introspection, if we are not compensating for it, if you will, with introspection for our engagement with social media, if the scale is not balanced, we probably will have a very strange consciousness. Hmm? And we are seeing that in our present generations that you don't need to wait for 300 years. <laughs> we already seen people trying to find shelter and relief and solve deep existential human issues just by clicks and likes. <laughs> Things that require complex thinking, deep engagement with reality, just pressing one button as soon as possible to solve that. 
And as you may imagine, this is very paradoxical, but many studies on this matter present this unique scenario that social media makes you feel connected, but lonely at the same time. Makes you feel happy, but sad at the same time. <laughs> like what Huxley say, again, the things that you love will ruin you. <laughs> and, and you can see the statistics. I mean, since the appearance of social media, especially in young people, the rates of teen depression, suicide, all these things have skyrocketed, basically. Mm -hmm. I think they did some kind of study about the school shootings in America and the people who were behind that. The kids mm -hmm. ha had a lot of interaction on social media and were uh, basically um, being bullied or they were getting some weird ideas from the that kind of interaction and not having an interaction with people like on real life as far as friends and family and things like that. Totally, totally like that. So it, it totally alienates you from a natural way of communicating with reality and 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 but creating this notion I'm hyper connected. I'm speaking with more people than ever, but actually it's not there's not actual connection and lots of anxiety disorders. And I saw the other day that even in 2015 teens were using like nine hours per day of social media. Try to imagine that. Was, and that was seven years ago. I don't think it went down. <laughs> yeah. And the problem, as, <clears throat> as you know, with, with, in our philosophy, we are tatasta. Tatasta, shakti. Tatasta means we are pretty influen influenced by the, inf by the environment. We're flexible to adapt to any environment. So being tatasta, everything can be a blessing or everything can be a potential curse. And, and due to the plasticity of our brain, also the adaptation, the Tatasta adaptation, also happens on a biological level. No? We, are, we are not only changing our minds to how social media affects us, but even our bodies. What a few generations, they say that we will have extra fingers for this movement and some extra bones here because of the, the, the asana that we generally do. <laughs> we will witness a whole new species altogether, 8,400,001 or, or a little bit more. <laughs> mm. but, but, but even be, I would say that beyond the biological alterations, uh, I think still we are waiting for, for experiments on a neurological and psychological level on long term that will give us, give us a very clear image of how social media is affecting not so much our biology, but our cognition. No, that's that's very delicate because I don't know. I imagine you or me or any one of us when Facebook came originally, <laughs> that I don't know, ten years ago, whatever. And you okay? I will I will open my account so I can stay in touch with friends across the country. Yes. But the consequence of that is now I'm as you mentioned, I'm unable to maintain an uninterrupted conversation with my friends sitting across the table. <laughs> unable, yeah. No? So I, I now I have so many friends, but I cannot speak with either, any of them when I have them in front of my face. And, and someone may say, Maharaj, but we are talking to each other every day, more than ever. But the point is, as you mentioned, that's not real uh, conversation. Now, whatever it is said, that whatever is textual or non-interactive, which is basically all social media, email, text, instant messaging, doesn't count as conversation technically speaking. That should be categorized as connection. No, we are connected, but connection is not an alternative to conversation. Face-to-face -face conversation, that's the, as, as sometimes 
we could say is the most human thing we can do and the most humanizing thing to do to speak with other person look that person in their eyes and have a conversation <laughs> being fully present to one another being willing to listen learning to listen developing capacity for empathy <laughs> that's where we will experience the joy of oh i'm being heard i'm being understood and in those moments our brains are forced to to work much more it's more challenging our brains have to process larger amounts of information like bodily language facial expression the tone of the voice no none of those things happen in social media jeremy or or even or even a filter i will say things to a devotee that i would not say to that person to their face oh yeah i know i know that one a lot <laughs> did, did, you know i i've done it i think everyone's done it but the way devotees interact with each other online on some of these facebook threads i I'm, I'm thinking like oh my god would you say that if that person was right in front of you mm -hmm. i've been really so, thinking about that lately that so again, I, I try not to do to do that because yeah. but it's paradoxical because that's the sensation social media may gives you this okay i have a keyboard in front of me so I'm empowered to share my opinion with the world and everyone should be listening. But actually it's promoting a false sense of, of cowardness because you feel empowered to say many things. Yeah. But when you are put in a situation when you have to actually speak to the person, many times we don't know. We, we are not willing to open our mouth. Yeah. So it is a false sense of being brave, but actually it's cowardness in disguise. So... It's all of this type of paradoxes. No, it seems that it's giving you something, but it's something else is happening. So in this way, lots of cognitive dissonance are going on. Another other idea that comes to mind is, I don't know, how much we start to depend on our phone for providing us whatever we need to know. <laughs> no, in our GPS with our phone numbers, the more the, the phone is facilitating, you will forget all phone numbers, even from your your own number. Sometimes, no, you will forget. The addresses, how to reach to your mom three blocks from your house. <laughs> Even you may forget the names of your contacts. <laughs> so my point is less memory, less memory, which is one of the functions of the intellect, less intellect, functioning intellect. I remember Socrates, famous Greek philosopher, he should lament not by social media, but she, he will used to lament by the written word. He will say by written word, we are losing so much no more shrutidar, as they will say in the Vedas. No, no more capacity to hear and learn and memorize because now it's put in written words. Mm. Another so, point on that, Maharaj. And that's uh, why I don't use that's why I don't use cell phone, just in case. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Maharaj doesn't have a phone. He's have you ever owned a phone? <laughs> mm, no. Uh, I some years ago, like five years ago, I was with one of my god brothers who was telling me, Maraj, try to have a phone, make the experiment, don't be narrow-minded, it will help you. Yukta Vairagya, Maharaj. And he was saying that in front of my Guru Maharaj. And I'm like, Guru Maharaj, what do you think? Should Maharaj have a phone or not? And my Guru Maharaj was like, okay, well, you can try, he told me. So I said, okay, I will try. I'll open myself. I don't want to be fanatical. And this devotee who was promoting that, he told me in a few days I will receive a new phone, so I'll give you mine. I say, okay. And after a few days, that phone that he was going to receive never came. So he had to stick stick with his own old phone. So I, I didn't have any phone. So I felt okay. I opened myself to that, but it didn't happen. 
Mm. Uh, last year, when I was in, in, in Brindavan, I was hearing one Harikata from some sadhus in Bengali. And I, I do not speak Bengali as to follow the whole lecture. So the only option was to hear someone translating the lecture. But they were using this sin, sin system that you need to have this phone that have radio on it. Mm. And you can hear the translation. So at that moment, I bought my first phone, which was this, I mean, like $5 phone from the 80s or something. It's <laughs> 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 like little thing with some buttons and just use it for this for the radio for a few weeks. And then I, I left that in Brindavan. I didn't, I'm not carrying even with me. So technically speaking, I had my phone, but in one sense, in, in how one uses, is accustomed to use a phone, no, I never had phone. I'd like to talk a lot about that later, but I want to make a point regarding the point you were making previously. Uh, I was writing a card to, I think I was writing it to Tulsi for her birthday or something. And I was like writing and I was like, why is this so difficult to write? And I had realized that I hadn't written anything in in I don't know how long, like, like actually a long letter, like it took me so long to do it. And it was so difficult. And I was like, I'm losing my ability to write. Because how do I write nowadays, like this on the phone? Mm. And that was so scary. That's just to, 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 you know, echo your point there about, okay, we're not using our memories anymore. You know, I used to when I was a kid, I would I remember all my friends phone numbers to this day, I can tell you, their phone numbers, but now their cell phone numbers and all these different other friends that I have. Nope. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> so not, I'm, not, I'm not even, you mentioned writing, but also reading, for example, no, we right. are not losing our capacity to read a book. Like maybe most of us did in the past that we could sit for hours with a book and we are losing this capacity of deep reading. Now deep reading is non-different from deep thinking in one sense. So losing the capacity for delving deep into something for a long time, it's taking depth in our own thinking. So we are sacrificing our depth. We are sacrificing our attention. And, 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 and we are becoming, how to say, incapable of remaining too much time with ourselves without doing something. Now, this is our modern, hyper-connected existence. It's a, it's, it's a life that a moment can feel strangely flat, <laughs> if it exists solely in, in itself. If I'm just not doing anything, I have to take my phone quickly. Yes. I'm not able to be with myself. There's one famous quote from Blas Pascal. He said, all of humanity's problems, it's a very nice one, all of humanity's problems stem from, from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. That's the source uh. of all problem. When you lose the capacity of being with yourself alone without taking the phone, that is source of all problems. That's complicated. Generally, we 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 take shelter in these quick, predictable answers provided by social media. But this is the exact antithesis of contemplation, introspection, and we need contemplation and introspection to compensate for the destruction of social media. That that's part of the answer. I mean, social media, like it or not, is distracting you even on a level that you are not aware. So, how to compensate that? Try to have moments in your day for deep contemplation, introspection, because if you're, if not, you are not compensating one thing and the other. Yeah. Because as we mentioned before, social media is not originally designed <laughs> to sharpen your attention. It's basically designed as the perfection of distraction, we could say, <laughs> not, not as a tool 
to facilitate samadhi, <laughs> introspection, depth. <laughs> On the contrary, it's just like, how to say, like pointing to your greatest vulnerabilities and taking advantage from that. For example, uh, I don't know. Let's let's go to to some symbol symbol symbology and how that plays out in our subconscious. If you have Instagram, and many people click the heart icon under your latest Instagram post, even subconsciously it will feel to you, oh, the tribe is showing its approval. <laughs> you won't say like that to you, but that's it. That's right. the ones who designed that button. They had lots of psychology work on that. It's a social validation uh, feedback loop, basically. Yeah. yeah. And through that, you are exploiting one of the greatest vulnerabilities in human psychology, which is the fear of being alone. We are terrified about being alone. So the tribe is supporting you. We love you. Ah, oh, I'm not alone. I'm being accepted. So you can imagine on a default sense of friendship you have 5000 friends today facebook told me you are reaching the limit of friendship 5000 friends and i was thinking i may not know half of them i may have never met them personally but this creates this false sense of friendship i may have 5000 contacts but they use the word friends <laughs> but for me to have a friend i need to know the person you cannot have friendship with someone you don't know you have to share things together there has to be conversation, as we spoke before, not mere connection <laughs> to follow. So, and, and you cannot have time to do that with 5,000 people in your lifetime because a friendship takes time. Krishna can do that in his lila. He has more than 5,000 friends and he probably reciprocates with all of them. <laughs> but we cannot imitate Krishna. <laughs> so anyhow, that's basically, I would say, the problem, as I see at least part of the problem. And, and that's why we need to, I think we need to detox Sorry for the extension of this, but I think it's needed to. No, totally. To grasp did, you want, of it. did you want to talk about our detox? Uh, you can speak about that. Yeah. So yeah. Maraj had this idea that a uh, few months before we did this podcast, because I wanted to do this podcast and, and for a long time. And so Maraj said, why don't we, me and you will do a detox from social media on Sundays. So for the past, I don't know, like two, weeks, months. two months, yeah, every yeah. Sunday, I've been detoxing from social media. I didn't use it, uh, except for uh, today. And uh, I think breaking. last week, I might have done it also, because I'm breaking my bow today, speaking with you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it was eye opening, how much I rely on it, in the sense of I had to remind myself not it's like a it's like a uh a reflex that's a natural reflex to go for the phone and to like do do so so I actually didn't use I didn't use my phone uh I was like I can't just use this and be like oh I want to use a calculator or something it's not going to that doesn't work for me <laughs> I was just like I'm going to turn it off and so so many realizations uh came some really kind of you know surprising ones but also really positive ones in the sense of I felt more clear-minded on when I wasn't like when I knew in my mind okay I'm not going to use that today it was very clear and it also I was able to spend time with my family in a more um present way uh because 
I wasn't like, you know, playing with my kid or, and then like looking what had pinged on my phone or, and uh, it was, I felt like I should do this more often. I think devotees as a group, we should do it more often. Maybe we can just make it a NISCON GBC resolution or something. Let, if anyone's listening from the GBC, I know they are, they're there. Let's make a GBC resolution that on, uh, I don't know, Sundays, we don't use our phones. I think as a, as a community, we can benefit from doing that. Like, okay, t- on Sunday, well, I won't argue with other devotees. On the you have Sunday feast. So for really have a feast, you can not depend on that that day. Something like yes. that. <laughs> what was your what was your realization, Marge? I know you're like already not so much on social media. You have inst- you have someone who runs your Instagram. Uh, yeah, and I, I try, yeah, not to use it too much. And when I enter, it's just really trying to go for with some purpose in mind, just to reply whatever correspondence in there to post something yeah. or to yeah. stream the lectures I'm giving, and and that's all. And of course, the very fact that of not having a phone is because. If I have a phone, I know there will be, I will have something in my pocket buzzing constantly that may create constant interruption. Yeah. So when I want to do something, I will open my computer and do that and close my computer. <laughs> that takes more okay. work than taking something from my pocket every second. So so my experience was also very nice. I, it's not the first time I'm, I'm doing this. Uh, I've done that in the past. And that's why I thought, let's try it because that's important. And it's only one day a week. It's not too much. I mean, I appreciate what we did and your experience, of course. But my point is, what if one at one point may try one week in a row, <laughs> one month? We will speak a little bit maybe later about some practical advice how to implement this. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's always revealing, as you mentioned. It's always like an epiphany in the sense that it helps you to... It's a test. You put yourself to test. Let's see where I am actually standing. Because it's easy to... To offer lip service to this while doing those things but if you take a distance you can really see where do you stand internally and as you mentioned because i think you mentioned me the other day to me that you at one point even without realizing you took your phone and tulsi told you but but now it's not your day of fasting today yes <laughs> and you, you were not aware that actually you were breaking the fast it was a so reflex Facebook, I just clicked on it and I was like scrolling it and she's like, aren't you fasting? I was like, oh my goodness, totally like unknowingly, I, I just picked up my phone and started doing that's why I, I That's why it became like, I have to turn it off. But then when I, I turned it off, I was like, hey, why is my phone off? And then I realized again, oh my gosh, I'm detoxing from it. That's how, that's how much it's gotten in my mind that it's like unknowing, it's like unknowingly be being like infiltrating my mind yeah so i think one of the main things with this practice is to bring all those things that are in the unknowing platform in the subconscious to bring them more to the conscious side so we become more aware of things that are already there but we are not seeing them actually yeah Mm -hmm. so um for for those devotees listening we're going to be taking questions after our discussion points i know this is like there's about 70 devotees watching if you have any discussion points, if you agree, disagree, please put it in the comments and we'll we'll address it and we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, Maraj, maybe we can go on to like devotees interaction with it. If we say we have to, you know, detox, if we say we should kind of put make a healthy relationship with it. So what is our devotee kind of interaction yeah. with it then? Yeah, of course, 
as we mentioned already, first we try to understand the problem on some level. And once you understand the degree of the problem, you can think about, okay, considering the, the breadth and depth of that, what to do as a solution. Uh, and I will say to begin with that as devotees, we should, again, try to leave this black and white notion of what's favorable and unfavorable. Sometimes I think this is bad for bhakti, this is good. But sometimes things, favorable things can become unfavorable if we don't relate with them properly. <laughs> and unfavorable things, potential unfavorable things can become favorable if we relate with that properly. It's all depending how we relate with everything. It's not the thing in itself. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like it's just all unfavorable. Social media, I just feel it's completely unfavorable. Just because when you look at risk and reward ratio, the ratio of reward to risk is the risk is much higher, mm -hmm. especially in the yeah. context of devotees. Okay, I, I, I agree. I mean, I'm not in disagreement with that. I'm just saying, but that doesn't mean that if you pay proper attention, if you try to recalibrate your approach to that, you try to establish some discipline in how you relate to that, you cannot use it. I, I say you can. There, there is some favorable possibility. As I will mention, social media is a shakti of Bhagavan. Everything that exists <laughs> is a shakti of Bhagavan. His shakti mom, the energetic source. Everything is his shakti. So all the shaktis exist for some reason in connection to their source, and there can be used in his service. Again, easier said than done. But in theory, we know that's a fact. So I want to. There's a potential possibility for that to happen. But how do I relate to that? That's a crux matter. And of course, that invites us to be introspective because it's not just about doing or not doing, but how we are doing or how we are not doing. No? So again, social media is not necessarily favorable, but that's not necessarily unfavorable. It can be both, depending with how much skill I'm navigating these waters. Yeah, but... And of course, we may take special care. We may take some need some distance, some detox, some perspective to dimension the the, the, the size of the problem. I'm not denying any of those things. Okay, don't but you're saying your, don't cancel your podcast, Narasa. No, no, I'm not <laughs> going to. But I think of it like okay, you're saying we have to, um, you know, it's not it's not inherently or necessarily bad. Uh, but it's the way we interact with it. We have to understand how. But if the way we interact with it, the way it was designed, the way it will always lean, they will mostly, mostly always lean towards the un, um, unfavorableness of it in our interaction with it. So what is the, why can't we say that it's just, why can't we be black and white when it comes to it? Why can't we just be like, okay, our goal is, uh, what is my goal? My goal is when I get older, when I'm like 70 years old, I'm not going to want to use social media. I want to be somewhere in Vrindavan chanting Hare Krishna and like get ready to leave my body. So in the, if my goal is black and white, so why can't it be black and white now? You know what I mean? It's yeah. Vrindavan is not black and white, just in case. <laughs> right. No, but I'm saying in, in the context of the social yeah, yeah. media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the point. I get the point. Uh Let's see what you say in a few decades. I'm I will record this section. I will show it to you in a few It's decades. recorded. <laughs> Let's see where Narasa is at that point. But <laughs> again, my if you tell me I don't want to use social media ever, you can imagine I'm not against that. I mean, I don't have a cell phone and anything, so I'm not trying to promote that or anything. But I'm saying that also, again, 
there is some potential or something positive, if we can extract that potential, be blessed or help others with that, there's place for that. That's my point. Of yeah. course, of course, for that to happen in the in connection to something so delicate like social media, that demanding for us extra introspection. No, mm -hmm. so how willing I am to become extra introspective to deal with this extra distraction? That's we have to re re reply that to ourselves. Because how something that is potentially unfavorable and mostly unfavorable, as you say, how can such a thing play a favorable role in our lives? How? No, uh, because so I mean, social media is so present as part of our daily life almost for every person. So you cannot just deny that. So you have to do something with that on some level. No? On some level, we have to take a responsible stance, whatever it may be, do it with full responsibility, no? not blaming uh, Steve Jobs or or finding enemies <laughs> outside or whatever, no. Because it's a, it's, it's a very subtle energy, very powerful. And I'm totally agree. I like sometimes to think about social media like yoga cities, no. Because we see that the shastra is saying, be careful with mystic powers. Because it's very subtle thing. It's like magic, but it's become become entangled with that. And somehow technology is some type of mystic power. It's a very subtle, I mean, yoga cities are like a very subtle technological development on a psychic level. And technology is something like that. It's like a city, like some technological mysticism. They are the cities of Kali Yuga. <laughs> and interestingly, all modern technology basically has accomplished on, on some level what the main cities accomplish. For example, you have this Anima city, which is the ability to enter into stone and we accomplish that excavate, excavating the earth through a man is mining and taking minerals, creating subways. Or, or you have, I don't know, uh, Gima City, the power to walk on water or become lighter than air. Mm -hmm. And we can float huge ships, cross the ocean, fly in the sky with planes. <laughs> or you have Prapti City. Now this is that a yogi can acquire something from distance. And you are you are enjoying fruits in New Jersey that are not in season, and even not even grow in your country. <laughs> yep. So that's a way of, of technology, of CD. And in social media, this is not an exception to that. For example, one CD is reading others' minds. And maybe we engage with social media trying to know others' lives. What's about everyone else, what they are thinking, what they're a way of trying to omniscience. Some some yogi can reach some level of that. Google is, is close to that, unlimited information. <laughs> Or invisibility. You can become invisible through Yoga City. In social media, you can have a secret profile and you can be a hacker and nobody knows who you are. <laughs> All or the knowing things. too much information about someone that you otherwise wouldn't have known. <laughs> exactly. Like what exactly. they're thinking in their mind or their political leanings or whatever it might be, you know? It's too so much my, information. Exactly. So my point is, it's a very, social media is a very particular expression of we could say of Maya Devi, Maya Shakti, yeah. a very Maya-like expression of Maya. Right. <laughs> very powerful, very subtle. So my point is, we should approach it with lots of awe and reverence, as we should approach Maya with care, not just informally taking it for granted, but being respectful and careful. <laughs> we should approach social media with awe and reverence. Maybe, maybe what you can we can have is in. How do you say in English, the background picture of your cell phone? Yes, yes. You can have a picture of Mahakali or something to remind you of the power of Maya Shakti. 
<laughs> I'm doing that after this. You are opening the cell phone and you are reminded where I am ab about to enter this precise moment. Now, what's going on? Which who, who I'm relating to? <laughs> the trident so, is 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 about yeah. to poke you. Very sub, sorry, very subtle and very very powerful thing. And and one little one thing that comes to mind in connection with this city's idea. In, in ancient time, the yogis will engage in tapasya, deep penance to attain the cities, but we obtain our cities in technology without any tapasya. We just pay a little bit, or even sometimes it's for free, and we have our mysticism in our pocket. <laughs> and of course, the price is you are not attaining yogic freedom, but you are attaining a form of slavery, probably, and not divine slavery at all. So, so, so that's the Sorry, you were going to say something. I was going to say something. I don't know if this makes me sound dumb, but you were saying how, okay, I mean, you could say the same thing about, like, they say a little glass of wine, like, once a month or something will help your heart or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's breaking a reg in, in one <laughs> sense, but at the same time, it's you're, you're benefiting from it. Mm -hmm. I feel like the same way, maybe social media... I know, I know there's devotees that, that are living in remote places. I mean, myself, I live in a remote place nowadays that, you know, we can connect with devotees, we can do things, but the, but the, I guess I'm just repeating myself The I just feel the risk reward ratio is, is not satisfactory to, to keep engaging with it so much that I, that you, but, but I understand your point. Your I, point I would say it's very personal also. No one has to see how much. Do I, I'm I'm dealing with this? How much do I feel that it's really going beyond my my reach, and I'm not in control? So I may need some yes. adjustment. But I know people who really knows how to relate to that. Maybe they are the minority, yeah. but they yeah. have really like strict discipline and determination into. It's like this. It's only this moment of the day. It's in this way. No more, because they have known what's going on when you start to cross the borders. Yes, and they are not. They are not willing to sacrifice let's say their tranquility um, in, 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 in exchange of technology. We, that's mm -hmm. a society we're living now. We, without noticing, we have replaced tranquility for technology. And we, are not, we, we, we lost sight of that. Now, as, you, as I told you, I'm now in one ashram here in the Swiss Alps, which is a really remote place. You can just come walk in two hours or take in a helicopter. <laughs> and, and it gives you this type of contrast with the classical dynamics of life in the modern world. And, and, and as Gita say somehow you have a higher taste of certain things. Today I was walking in the in the forest here for like two hours, getting lost and found there. And and when you really enter into that experience, you, you forget that social media exists, basically. <laughs> so so there's a way of also trying to to put everything in its proper place. I'm not saying it's easy. I will never use the word easy in the whole podcast, <laughs> but it's not impossible either. But yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty tricky, again, especially because it gives you the, the sense that you are in control. That, that's one of the main tricks there, that you think I'm in control, but actually you are in the, in, in the less in control situation you may conceive probably. Now you will think technology is serving me so loyally, I am its master, but actually the exact opposite is happening. Hmm? So again, when, when I've said before, the social media have been designed with certain intention. I'm not condemning them in total. But I'm just mentioning that we as bhaktas, 
especially this is for Gaudias prominently this episode, we have to be especially focused how we try to engage this Shakti in Seva, in Bhakti. Yeah. And, and, and let's not be naive, please. Now, the, the, okay, that's the, the original intention behind social media is not. Uh, let's see how we can best honor this particular Shakti of Bhagavan. That's not the, the original intention behind social media, but probably something closer to, as I say, the perfection of distraction. <laughs> but our intention as Bhaktas, our goal is exactly the opposite to the perfection of distraction. It's focus, samadhi, absorption, manmana, bhavavant bhakta, Krishna, give me your mind to me, give me your attention. Our goal is how do I reach perfection of attention? <laughs> yes. so, so, so that's part of the challenge for sure. So many great points. Um, and, and you mentioned, okay, it's very personal about how a devotee interacts with it. And so what would you say are some principles that like we're kind of trying to convey here to devotees about social media? Mm -hmm. Well, let, let me repeat myself for a minute because we need to pound some post a little bit. Sure, sure. Social media is one Shakti of Bhagavan. To stream through the lens of our Siddhanta, our knowledge, this is not only social media. This is one energy of God. Everything is an energy of God. Everything is a Shakti of Shaktiman, praise, money, technology. So we need immediately to translate in our minds a Shakti of Bhagavan. Whatever comes in your way is a Shakti of Bhagavan. You connect that with its source. And you will quickly conclude, I am a Shakti of Bhagavan also. <laughs> So I am to engage myself in his service, but to engage everything else. I, I'm not the and I'm not Shakti man. I'm not the source of all energies. That's when you start to try to put everything in your service. So technology always exists in the service of its own source, not in our service. So if it's, if something is a Shakti of Bhagavan, it cannot be intrinsically bad. It has potential, like every Shakti has potential. So it has potential to do a disaster when it's misread. Or it has the potential to invoke a, a miracle, and 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 this applies to us as Tatasta Shakti. We know we have potential to be a disaster, and we have potential to be a miracle. But also, this applies to technology as an aspect of Maya Shakti. So today, of course, in this podcast, we are trying to engage with social media in a responsible way. How we can honor the Shakti of Bhagavan, but also how can we honor our attention? Our how can we render respect? to our own attention. I, re I always remember this, this moment that someone, Sila Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta was using a car. You know the story maybe, which was a parallel to social media at that time or something. Right. <laughs> like he was criticized a lot. Like why you, Vaishnavs, are you using a car? And he replied in a very interesting way. He said, only Vaishnavas should be allowed to use cars. <laughs> he switched the whole answer in the other direction no? like why you are using that he said only us should be using us because only a Vaishnava is someone who knows how to connect everything with its own real source so the same principle is we applies with technology only us Vaishnavas should be using technology of course who is a Vaishnava <laughs> exactly we're not I'm not Bhakti Siddhanta I'm not Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur. so I should be using it I should be using a car should you be using social media case closed <laughs> 
That's why I say, who is a Vaishnav? That's another cheap word. And so, of course, this can be a mixed a scenario. It's not black and white. So, uh, there are different levels of Vaishnavism. There are different levels of engaging with social media. We can be using social media in a nice way. But as you mentioned, in the context of doing those nice things, we can also become distracted on some level. No? Yeah. A little bit and a little bit. And again, do not, do not take for granted this idea of Jukta Vairagya, please, or do not render lip service to that. This is this is one of the most abused terms in the history of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Jukta Vairagya, no? which means practical renunciation, like everything can be used in service to Krishna, so we don't need to detach from anything. Yes, but again, with how much capacity do I have to engage everything in the service of Krishna? How much myself I'm always totally engaged in the service because in the name of engaging everything in Krishna's service we may be secretly or subconsciously at least directing stuff to our own service <laughs> to our own false sense of being the center and, and using with social media for example and using things in Krishna's service and yukta viraga you can make, you can be going backwards even yeah yeah you because you have the perfect excuse yes to, to yes. externally seem perfect in what you are doing, but internally, in between the lines, you are just creating, cheating yourself and cheating others. So it can be even more dangerous for a devotee than for someone who is not a devotee, because as a devotee, you have the perfect philosophy to justify the injustifiable, <laughs> the worst possible thing. So we as devotees to be very careful, very not take these things for granted cheaply. And there's a way you can very easily test that. Now, if you are telling me, Maharaj, I'm only using social media for the service of Krishna. Okay, so that means that you are really attached to serving Krishna. So you use everything for his service. Great. But if you're actually attached to using everything only in the service of Krishna, then you can dispense with social media and still be attached to the service of Krishna. Because you are attached not to social media, ideally, but to the service of Krishna. Right, right. <laughs> You are not attached to the tool itself, but you are attached to serve. No, do you follow? Not you are not even attached to serve through social media. You are attached to serve. So put yourself to test to see where you are. <laughs> we should do that exercise often. This type of detox have to do with. Okay, let's see how much I'm attached to serve Krishna in any way, or actually I was using this Jukta Varag excuse to indulge in social media, but I was not attached to serving Krishna for that. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I feel so I feel so much like um I, I don't feel hope. I feel like I'm in a net, like that I'm caught up in a net and I'm just like talking to you about how we're I'm caught up in this net and it's so bad and blah blah blah. But I you this know I the, can't get myself out of it and there's no hope for me. This is the unauthorized biography of Namrasa life. <laughs> Um sacrificing myself to everyone here. No, no, no. There, yeah. there is hope. We are I, I'm sorry if this first part of the interview seems quite uh quite without hope, quite apocalyptic. There there is there is light at the end of the tunnel. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. And <laughs> I mean when I see devotees like yourself, Maharaj, it gives me hope because it's like, okay, someone's doing it who who kind of walk in the talk of social media, but it's like rare like anything. It's very rare. I mean, I, I don't want to speak with me about me and be mean any example of anything, but my point is we we will generally find ex ideal examples of anything in minorities. So we don't expect to have 
the the whole community being an example of social media or anything yeah. because yeah. majorities generally are not not criticizing anyone it's just how it works so Manusya Nam, Sahasri Su, Krishna says in Gita, from many, just a few, from those, many of those few, just a few. So we have to find someone who will shine so much in our life that we will ourselves feel hope and be transformed. It's not about, unless the majority is doing that, uh, then I will just be following the majority. The real revolutionary call many times is follow the minorities. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, it comes to mind what I mentioned you also. You, you you wanted to make this the title of the of the podcast. There's no Wi-Fi in Golok. Remember? <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Well, that's an important point that we can unfold for a minute. Because in connection to this, no, okay, I'm attached to serve only serve Krishna. I can't dispense social media. We should be living a life, at least constructing a lifestyle gradually. At lifestyle, we should construct a lifestyle that will be possible to live in eternity. Our present lifestyle should be as aligned as possible with the lifestyle we want to keep on in eternity. Yeah. That's real sustainability. I'm living a lifestyle that will match exactly my lifestyle in eternity. That means you are ready for eternity. Again, gradually, it's not one day press a button. But my my but the point will be how I'm conducting my daily life in such a way that such a lifestyle is possible in eternity. It's a good way of asking ourselves, whatever I'm doing on my lately lifetime, will that be approved in Golok? <laughs> or are there some things that I need to adjust to match those dynamics? So in this case of social media, the point is, don't forget, there is no social media in Golok Brindavan. <laughs> and you want to enter Golok Brindavan for eternity, supposedly, at least officially, we say that as Gaudiya. Go to go there for eternity, but when we hear, but there's no Wi Fi, <laughs> so you still want to go? Huh? Maybe those who choose to, those, those who think we live by Kunta, maybe for them, the fact is they left by Kunta because there was no Wi Fi there. That's the main reason for falling off by Kunta. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to go to those topics again, but right. just in that connection, no? So there's no Wi Fi in Golag Brindavan, so. Are you ready? For, are we ready for that? <laughs> and if not, how do I align my lifestyle to get closer and closer to that? Because better I start now to conceive a responsible life without social media on some level. Yeah. That that taken by surprise, if you will. Oh, I'm be thrown to Golok. I, there's no social media. I, of course, it doesn't work like that. But my, if you will, no. So or even here, you don't have even to speak about Golok Brindal. Maybe. I mean, I don't want to sound like conspiracy theories or anything, but there is possibility that our civilization may collapse in a few years or decades and for probably there's no more social media here. <laughs> so are we ready to deal with that <laughs> without committing suicide and going fanatic? And so my point is our eternal prospect is with so without social media, but our eternal prospect is with full responsibility. So we have to deal with social media now in such a way that how to say whenever i need to be responsible without social media i can't be responsible i don't need social media to be responsible i don't need social media to be happy i don't need social media to be anything i'm using that as a tool that is here today but gone tomorrow but i shouldn't feel i need that to survive i need that for something substantial mm -hmm. so i i and, and, and to, to i would say in that connection since i mentioned responsibility uh, 
how to say, <clears throat> it's healthy to be reminded. We have other responsibilities in life outside of social media. If you don't get this idea clear, and it may not be clear, if you don't have very clear, I have a good amount of responsibilities outside of social media. If this line is, is blurry, social media will swallow all your sense of responsibility. <laughs> not only that, may swallow other things as well, especially for us as... As devotees, no? as devotees, I notice this pattern gradually, inadvertently. <laughs> Technology may start to rep re replace everything that God sometime represented for most of us. God represented again omniscience. Now you have Google, no? omnipresence. God. Now you have everything in your pocket, and it's all pervading social media, more and more part of your life. Omnipotence, God. Omni social media is becoming omnipotent in relation to us. No? So, so it, it can replace God for us in practice. We have to be careful. I remember Srila Prabhupada once, when he will often, when he will speak about Guru Parampara, he will just define Guru Parampara spiritual technology. <laughs> so that's the, how, how to, to, man, to deal with the material technology. You have spiritual technology. You have Parampara, the sadhus, guiding you in your life. Anyhow. Some thoughts. So, so Maharaj, so um, to help me with my depression at the moment and my hopelessness, what are some practical considerations we can do, we can help the devotee community with as far as detoxing or helping with this weapons of mass distraction, so to say? Yeah. Well, I will, I will say as we are trying to do here to begin with, it's good to study material that may create more awareness of this fact. Right. There's lots of that. It's not that there's no books, not, not material available. There's lots of things. And I don't know too much of that, but I'm, I, I've seen some things. So that's a, big, a good beginning, I will say, to become aware of the situation. Because if you are not aware, you can do nothing because you don't recognize the problem. <laughs> I'll so be aware that you're, you're actually a user of this and what are users? Users, that term is being used for people who are usually like drugs or intoxication or something. And you, they are um, capitalizing on your attention. And they're making so much millions and billions of dollars based upon that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a, there's a documentary. I don't know if I've sent it to you, Marge, if you've ever seen it. I think it's called Social dilemma or something like that you would really like it i'll send it to you but um it, it, it describes that whole thing algorithms and the way social media has been used to get, gain our attention and is and is basically it's we're like becoming the users of it you know and and mm -hmm. yeah. there's another one that i know that you mentioned called digital surveillance or something mm -hmm. that's an, a documentary or something interesting and there are books of course written sure. about that so you can make a search. You can use social media for that, of course, and you can look, find material that will create awareness of the fact. Once you are aware, you, you start to be informed. In one sense, it's, it's never the same. You, you cannot, your consciousness will be telling you some things. You may be distracted of that, but you already know on some level. And of course, on a more practical level, as we spoke with Namrasa, some fasting from social media may help, some digital yeah. Sabbath or something maybe once a week, just to begin somewhere. No? I think also it's important to not try to do something in a titan titanic way, and you cannot sustain that after a few days, and you get discouraged and say, no, it's not possible. 
but try to do some adjustment that you feel is sustainable for me. Don't compare, don't imitate. So something once a week, for example, what we did, I think it's relatively sustainable and you can organize your day for with other activities and 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 and, and, and gives a lot of, as you mentioned, in, in just in two months, eight days, if you will, of doing that, lots of epiphanies come. <laughs> so that's really I mean, practical. It's not only theory. It's not only hearing me speaking about that, hearing us, but you are walking the talk. Uh, for, uh, but even for some people, again, depending each case, as I said in that class some years ago, for some people, the beginning of all this may be, the fasting may be, don't check your phone as the very first thing you do when you open your eyes in the morning. That may be the first bow for that person, not even one day without it, but not be the, the first thing that I do when the alarm is sounding. Or sometimes, as I was joking, we even open the, take the phone with, before we open the eyes. Yes, yes. <laughs> In, with instantly like grabbing at that and or or don't do that as the very last thing you do before you go to sleep mm. Mm. and I, and of course there comes this sense of emergency no but maybe there is some emergency yes there is some real emergency you have to become krishna conscious that's emergent urgent so the very first thing you do in the morning please offer pranam to your guru to krishna and glorify <laughs> hari <laughs> that's the first thing that try to recalibrate these small little acts that start to define your day. How do I begin my day? How do I end my day? That influences a big part of your day, although you may not realize that. When you do that every single day on a sustainable level, you start to see the change. So gradually try to recalibrate the priorities of your life. It may help to sit and just write a list. Which are my priorities in my life? No? And see what comes and, and see how much you are given <clears throat> proper respect to that how you are giving proper honor to that or i don't know some extra extra tips if you are going to use social media you need for your work or whatever one option will be try to stay far away from the mobile versions of those services right and use them in your computer only no yes. you can do that I'm, I'm sure i don't have a phone but you can just select what you want to have in your phone or not yeah. so so you can like limit those things or as, as we have Nowadays, fast food, and there's a movement called slow food. <laughs> you also can enter into slow media. They have this thing they call dumb phones or something. Dumb phones, which, yeah. Which That's what basically, have... yeah, you had yeah. that in India, basically, that what you were describing. It, mm -hmm. but they have even better versions in the sense of there, there are apps that you may need, like maps or something, the GPS you can do, but it doesn't have like... Facebook, it doesn't have Instagram, it doesn't have all these things, and it's called like a dumb phone. So one can also try that. Of course, that will be tapasya, but you have to expose to that, no? Or, or, or if you need to use a particular social media tool for work, let's say Twitter or something, you can put aside a few blocks during the day when you say, okay, I can check it in this time, but otherwise I leave it blocked, something like that. Yeah. And of course, needless to say, you shouldn't be doing that when you are chanting Japa, where you are hearing Harikata <laughs> yeah. and, and so on. There's a, a video, it was published some time ago, that says how not to chant Japa. Uh, sometimes it helps more to us to tell us how not to do that than how to do that in the beginning. <laughs> and the, the video is someone chanting and checking social media and doing this and do, doing many things at the same time. But our mind cannot do two things at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's something, but as I mentioned, even in some cases, if you want to like to create a new habit altogether, 
sometimes something longer may be needed in some cases. Maybe not to begin with, it may be overwhelmed, overwhelming. But what about the one month fasting of social media? That may be an interesting. I, I try, I like to do those in, in Kartik with the blessings of all the viewers I'll try to do in the next one. And, and that's also exposing myself to my own underworld <laughs> because some cold turkey always comes in those moments after one month. <laughs> I mean, when someone like you fasts from social media, that makes it a lot darker for those of us who rely on you for making our social media a little bit brighter. <laughs> but you fast along, fast along with me and see accompany me there and that will be done so i will feel my friends there another another point on that point you just <laughs> made is um having accountability partners is really important i think like mm -hmm. you check up you checked up on me after oh, how was your fasting or saturday night you messaged me hey good luck fasting tomorrow that's yeah. really important i think to do it with someone else who who, who yeah. you, or even like you mentioned tulsi reminding you were you fasting today or not yeah yeah you were not really so you are <clears throat> you make that public, if you will, on some level, so you have support for sure. Yeah. So some some of these fastings are interesting experiences. Of course, if you have like doing like a one month fast, then to reintroduce hmm, social media after fasting may be more demanding than what you may imagine. It's not so easy. <laughs> Mondays, Mondays. I was like, I was like, what's wrong with me? Why am I like always, why am I looking at every single thing? And I was like, oh my goodness, because I fasted yesterday, it's requiring me to, to like, like the, day, like the day after a Kadasi or something. Yes. Yeah, it's like Dwadashi for, 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 for your phone. Oh my gosh. So again, this is, this sounds like tapasya, but we, we need to, I mean, tapasya is healthy on sort of sustainable level. So tapasya proper will say is the voluntary acceptance of some bodily mental discomfort for the sake of spiritual advancement so if, if we have that clear mind we should understand i need to embrace that on some level these are the first two words that brahma here in the beginning of creation like implying you come to this world those are the terms and conditions tapa tapa this is what the world is about and tapa is not only austerity sometimes tapas is defined as fire like fire like Entering inwards, pratyahara, close your senses, take the senses out of their sense objects and turn them inward and see what happens, basically. Probably we won't hear Krishna's flute like Brahma did when he closed his eyes. Probably <laughs> we will have some cold turkey in, uh, <laughs> from social media. But that may be the first epiphany we need to have before we go to the epiphany of, of the flute call. <laughs> no? So... Anyhow, it's important, Prabhupada will say, simple living, high thinking. Well, social media can really get in the way of simple living. And, and high thinking comes after simple living. You can have high thinking without simple living. So if you don't have simple living, you can have high thinking, I would say. So it's important to have awareness. It's important to have discipline, basically. We are all, most of us are disciples yeah. <laughs> of someone. Disciple, the word disciple is connected to the word discipline. Mm. Yeah. And again, try to to and to keep this in mind to give positive content. Keep in mind that these adjustments that we are speaking about on a more practical level are meant to increase the quality of our engagement with social media in service, not to totally eliminate that. But again, each of us have to do that. Yuktahara, Bihara, Sayane, well, that is sustainable for anyone. Everyone has to find their own proper level of adjustment according to their situation. But try to, if, if something of those words resonate, 
try to start implementing these changes today, <laughs> not tomorrow, yeah. yes. not even tomorrow, today, because the future is creator here and now. No? So that will, that will be a last practical emphasis. No, do not wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow never, never happens. <laughs> Another practical thing I want to talk to devotees about that I've used is uh, kind of connected with Marge, with what you were saying about awareness. So for those of you who have iPhones, you there's something called screen time. So you can see how long you used the phone today. Mm. Um, and if you're like watching, it, like it'll count everything that you do. So if you're watching, if you listen to a lecture or something, it'll still count it. Or you're, you know, reading something. But it's really interesting and eye-opening to see how much daily consumption or even weekly consumption, it'll give you averages. Like it'll tell you on a Sunday night or on a Monday morning, last week you used the phone an average of four hours or five hours. That is insane. As devotees, like all the things I could have done what, that I didn't do that I could have done with all my – like with all this time that I use on my phone, we kind of get into, I kind of get into this thing. Like I'm too busy. I have kids. I have a full-time job. I do the podcast. I do this. I don't have time for this reading, chanting, all things, but it's actually like a self, um, it's like a self-inflicted thing to, to do this, uh, yeah. and, and make this kind of claim that I don't have enough time. We all have enough time for the things that we want to do or things that we should do. So we have to kind of recalibrate that thinking that, okay, what's really important in our life? And Marge really, really expressed it very beautifully. And um, I still am trying to recalibrate myself as far as my involvement in the sense of I have this podcast that's helping, helping devotees <laughs> at the same time. It's when you kind of like, Put yourself in social media to do certain things. You can get so distracted so easily. So it's it's something that that requires deep introspection, deep awareness in and out in the way we're using it. Um, and another point about sustainability, like I see so many devotees, like friends, myself even. Okay, Kartik, no social media, but then after you get off of it, you get right back on it, and you're just like right where you started or right where you ended rather. And mm. it's it's uh slow little steps of doing it. I think this weekly, uh, this weekly fast is, is a very beneficial for me personally. I think it's, it's uh, very helpful. And um, I think there's Marge, there's always the sense of like, okay, I I'm in contact with so many friends on social media, but then if I don't use it for a long time, I just like maybe feel lonely. Um, I mean, I can answer that myself. Maybe you have to change your life situation or maybe you have to get more real friends in real life <laughs> to, to do that. But what would you say to that? A devotee who lives in a remote place and <clears throat> they will lose contact. They will lose contact with a lot of people that they are in contact with right now. And that's why I never say you have to cancel that altogether. It's totally yeah. wrong. And I, I say it also, I'm just giving a general outlook yeah. to the whole thing every particular case is very unique and specific and you should have the proper introspection and intelligence and sincerity to know how all this applies to your situation and make the necessary adjustments uh, but yeah everything can be happening you may be properly justified to remain in with social media and get be in touch with people because <clears throat> i mean we need to be in touch with people but again the point is 
what does it mean to be in touch with people and what does it mean to have friends and to be in sadhu sangha sometimes we may water down some of these ideas and try to end up justifying some of those things and again it can happen it may be not be the case and regarding feeling lonely I mean, it can happen, but many times we also need to become strong enough to be able to be with ourselves, as I mentioned before. As yeah. I say to Jai Jagannath, we made a podcast some months ago, and he, and I say to him, one of the cure for loneliness is solitude. <laughs> there are two different words. They are not synonymous. Solitude and loneliness. Solitude means be with yourself for some time and learn to be with yourself, by yourself, and see what comes. No? And that will cure probably loneliness because it's not about just having constantly people around you and things happening. That all may be just a distraction I'm creating as to not to deal with whatever is going on actually inside of me. So we as practitioners, as, as Vaishnavas, we want to <clears throat> to have inner transformation, to do inner work, you know, mm -hmm. to work on ourselves. So sometimes we need focus and attention for that to happen. If there is a bo constant bombarding of, of stimulus, it, it may not be possible. Although we feel something is happening, I'm not alone, everyone loves me, 5,000 friends. <laughs> but life is not about 5,000 friends. Just, I mean, to have one real friend, only one in your lifetime, that may be more than enough. That's not easy to get. It requires time, investing your life, relationships, exchange. So so as you mentioned, Namrasa, no? I mean, Abhyarta Kalatwam, no? it is said in, in Rupa Goswami says, an advanced devotee, of course, he's defining a Baba Bhakta there, but we get at least appreciate the idea. It's someone who feels I cannot lose any single millisecond of time. I have to use everything for Krishna's service. So yeah. rather we should try to appreciate this. Krishna is time personified. I mean, Krishna says in the Gita, Kaluachmi, I'm time. So how I am treating time, how I am dealing with time. And as you mentioned, we may be using many hours per day in social media. Some of them we may need. Some of them we don't need. And we may be investing those daily hours. If you make the multiplication per year, maybe you have like <laughs> a full month that you could have used in studying Shastra and chanting more rounds or who knows what. Yeah. Well, sometimes, as you mentioned, making these calculations and numbers may help to realize, my gosh, I mean, if I, do prop if I properly recalibrate my priorities, I may gain an extra month per year of intensify sadhana, whatever, with my family, with my relate, become more human, less robot-like, whatever the case. Yeah. So it's important to step back from the whole dynamics, take a look at that, see it, make the list of priorities, look at ourselves, make some little detox fasting to begin with, see where we are, and on that basis, see how to proceed after that in a sustainable way. As you mentioned, even if you are fasting for a month, with anticipation, prepare yourself for, for the breaking of the fast. <laughs> so you yeah. can really maintain a change. The whole thing is sustainability. And again, I never say easy. But not yeah, impossible. Not impossible. <laughs> not impossible As you say, with proper friendship, accountability, support. It's not by only by ourselves. We, we have to do our part as, as with everything. But yeah. we also need group, sangha, family. So... That helps a lot as well. Yeah, I, I see. Um, also, I wanted to talk about, I know we put this at the end here, about a comment section on Facebook and the way devotees interact with each other. 
I just feel like, has anyone ever benefited from a comment section where devotees are just arguing with each other or criticizing each other or, you know, saying that in the set, calling out devotees publicly because, you know, to warn others about certain things, then we're just speaking the truth, but, and normally it's done on social media on a public post. Uh, and just your thoughts on how devotees interact with each other on on comment sections or on public posts about each other it's just it's just it's just kind of like discouraging because you see like older devotees who are are examples we see a lot of them just saying horrible things about other their other their god brothers or something or their god sisters and it's like should we like is this the example that we're that we're trying to set here for the younger generation that we can just go on social media and just kind of like verbally you know uh, kind of diarrhea all over the you know verbally on 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 social media so it's like okay in one sense we're following devotees to you know older devotees and senior devotees to do that but in other senses it's like it's weird and unneeded and just your thoughts on that. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. How the devotees interact with each other, as you mentioned, sometimes there, there's not much, in, much interaction with each other in, in those cases, as we mentioned before. It's, that shows, I, and I know I don't want to criticize those devotees or whoever may get carried away by that. It just shows right. some further confirms how easily you can get caught in that way and maybe that was not even your original intention. You just connected to write to your grandma or something. <laughs> <laughs> you saw one comment and another comment, and somehow that got you fired up and do 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 do, and you ended up like cursing someone to put sending someone to Patala Loka for eternity or whatever. And 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 it was not you in one sense. I mean, not to 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 take responsibility out, but. The point is that shows how easily we can be carried out about that, how powerful are these tools and how much prepared we should be before we enter them. As I mentioned, have the Mahakali picture on the back <laughs> to Absolutely. remind you about that. Because yeah. if not, as we mentioned, you can be engaging in public Vaishnava apparat uh, while you think I'm a very good devotee and I'm whatever, saying the things as they, as, as they should be. But the point is, even if you are, saying something about someone, those things should be done in such a way that is fostering compassion. If, even if I have to criticize someone or point to something that is not right, I have to do it committing myself to help that person to change that thing that I'm pointing with commitment. It's not just a comment. Good luck with that. You're a rascal. Boom. And you yeah. disappear from the thread. That's not, that's not healthy. That's violent. And that shows your own unresolved issues. Actually, That speaks about to the world about who you are actually you are not speaking to the world about who others are <laughs> yeah so so anyhow no I, I will try to i mean there's there's beneficial threats for sure but <laughs> but there's they're not the majority I'm, I'm totally sure with that so we should learn to be compassionate with each other loving with each other and i'm very very careful with each word we are using and and commit ourselves with our communication, as we mentioned. Real dialogue and conversation is face to face, to face on a personal level, not just cursing yeah. everyone and then in person looking to the other side of the street. So do, I don't have to deal with. And I have experience. It's interesting. I have experience with that. I recently, as you may know, some of my dynamics and writings. Some people have many times publicly denounced me as I don't know enemy of the sampradaya or things like this. <laughs> 
And it's funny because it's, it's people who do not have never met me personally, did not know me at all. So, yeah. so, so I, I, I was wondering, like, how can you reach such a conclusive opinion about the person that you never met? And, and you may say, yeah, I saw the talk, I read something, but that's not the same as really meeting the person and, 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 and pronouncing a conclusive opinion about the person. And again, I'm not playing the victim. I for sure fail in that same thing. And I have to now walk the talk. I'm opening my mouth for two hours. Krishna will send me many tests for sure. <laughs> but, but we have to be careful about that, about like throwing conclusive statements about people, about Vaishnav especially, and just getting stuck at what someone did in the past or even said in the present, as I like to say, Krishna is not judging us by our past or our present, but our future, but our potential, all that we can be. So yeah. we should be more compassionate and generous in that sense. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> so if anyone has any questions, you can put in the comments. I don't see any questions really quiet today regarding social media. I think devotees are just feeling like, stunned by all the about all the points made today like oh my gosh i'm being exposed i mean i gen i really feel like that in the sense of like i feel like my 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 anarthas of of, of the social media has like come out and like i need to deal with it because it's 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 i'm just we're just getting older and older and i i do want to live a, a life like you said that will be forever i could live that life in eternity and try to arrange my life in that way and uh you know so eye-opening maraj thank you for um for doing this and uh for those people who are critics of maharaj i mean how can you still be a critic of Maharaj after this it's okay no problem i welcome criticism but there's a place for constructive criticism so we have to yeah know each other and we can be nourished by criticism but yeah. there's but not but not every criticism again and yeah again I, when i say all the things i'm not pointing at someone in particular even sure. all this podcast is not me speaking at yelling at you those who have cell phones or trying to play superiority complex because yeah. i have my own i have to deal with my own struggles in, in, in my own situation so it's just about becoming responsible and taking commitment on our individual situation and basically yeah. I like this. My father keeps his phone on from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. every day. That's cool. I think some devotees I know in Vrindavan do that as well. They'll just keep their phone on on a Thursday. And if anyone wants to contact them, they'll contact them on a Thursday. Otherwise, they can't get in contact with them. Interesting point. Um, oh, here's another one. Next time you leave your house, leave your phone at home. That's also a good point. I also saw something on social media that if you're having a good time somewhere, you won't see like people with their phones out or you won't want to even bring your phone out to like document it because you're in the moment. You're trying to enjoy yourself at that very moment. So there's no reason to have uh, the phone at that, at that point. Um, yeah, that's the idea. You know, how, how we can live such a, a deep, rich life that we forget that we have phones, that we forget the need of that because it's so charming what we are going through what we're experiencing that we forgot that that's that exists at all even <laughs> yeah yeah so it's possible um, um, <clears throat> question when to comment so when when do we comment i guess that's a i guess that's a good question when to comment meaning like if you're, any given situation like like is it is it worth it to 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 maybe engage in a in a comment section on facebook 
Yeah, that's tricky because, of course, to begin with, you don't have a clue who is on the other side, no? who is receiving the comment, how they are receiving, how much the comment is being actually being understood because, again, there's no facial language, tone, tone voice. I have many times this type of problem that I send a written message and sometimes that the person mis misunderstood my message and thought that I was angry or too serious or and actually I was not. But but the, the, the words seem to be like that. So <laughs> yeah. so it's not an easy question to to answer. No. Of course, one to comment, at least what we can do is since we cannot scan who is on the other side, to scan myself. No, why do I want to comment? What's the intention behind my comments? What, what, what do I expect to contribute with my comments? How much I'm walking the talk of my comments? All this type of thing that I have to be strict with myself. And if I pass all this type of <laughs> of tests, okay, then I may put some comment. And often be off, open that someone may mis misunderstand my comment mm -hmm. and be open to clarify and not criticize just because they misunderstood me or something. So I, I think that's important. Yeah. But again, there's no magical formula that will warranty that every comment will be perfectly appreciated. And so <laughs> yeah. it's not designed for that to happen, at least in this open conversation with people that we don't know who is on the other side again. Right. Um, here's a question. We we touched on this a lot, actually, of, of, mm -hmm. of how we're using it. Uh, so mm -hmm. Arjuna, if you watch the whole thing, you'll be able to get the answer yeah. there. What if you're preaching on Facebook? Yeah, you can use it for preaching, of course. There's lots of ways to use it, but but he's putting preaching between quotation marks, so I don't know what's oh, the intent. The maybe question. that's a, oh, I didn't I didn't catch that. Is there any any uh, background between the preaching? <laughs> no, like maybe we, we are saying again again to this idea of no, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. So you can just justify the whole I thing. See, I see. So yeah. again, that requires lots of self examination, to be honest. No, and, and you have yeah. to need you need a distance from, in this case, Facebook to see how much I'm actually preaching or how much I'm just, yeah, preaching 5% and 95% something else or 20%, eight, which are the percentages there. No? Because again, we don't want to use preaching, Krishna consciousness, Jukta Vairagya as excuses to cover something else. No? So I will say that's the main thing. We want to have as much as integrity as, as, as we can, basically. No? Sure. Okay, I think we'll end there, Maraj. It's almost been almost two hours now. Um, Can I share one quote that came to my mind now from your guru, please. Maraj? Yes, please. <laughs> because I think it's quite related to, just to conclude, basically. Yeah. That came to my mind, this idea, that the real question there will be how, how I'm honoring and respecting my own mind and attention. Because your guru Maharaj once said, that's the only thing you will be able to offer to Krishna in the moment of your death. Mm. No? your attention. Now, there's this verse in the Bhagavatam which says, people in this world have so many things to speak about and to hear about, not only one thing, but many things. But your Guru Maharaj said once, Krishna is giving us like 70, 80 years, at least in general, of life. So we can decide about that only thing that we should be thinking when we leave this body. <laughs> wow. So we have 70, 80 years to decide about that only one thing. So how do I concentrate and honor my mind and attention in that only thing? So when I have to continue my journey, I'm doing properly. And so that's kind of a reflection that came in connection to forward. Wonderful. 
I mean, to, to end on the positive note and try to focus in that direction. Yes, yes, the positive. We have the opportunity. That That's the way I'm looking at it and reflecting on something positive here. Uh, we have the opportunity. We have that free will to be able to give our attention in a certain way. And we should take advantage of all the tools that we're given in our spiritual lives, whether it be our spouses or sadhus or whoever it is to help us, bring us, uplift us, uh, to, to do the right thing and to have that discipline and have that um, mindset. So uh, uh, Maharaj, thank you for your constant, uh, you know, guidance on this whole thing and, and beyond. It's been really wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I hope, I hope many other devotees can help each other and learn something from this podcast. I think it was really wonderful and we, we can do further ones. I think will be really interesting if you come across anything else in your, um, travels and your research etc but uh thank you everyone for joining maharaj thank you please stay on the line uh we'll end there Hare krishna everyone Hare krishna, Hare krishna.